Welcome to the Tamarin Learning Podcast, where host Dr. Kirby Ross-Plock speaks with experts on many topics relevant in the ultra-high net worth family wealth management space. Kirby is author of several books, including The Complete Family Office Handbook, and shares her expertise consulting with families and family offices. Kirby is also the founder of Tamarind Learning, an online wealth education platform that develops practical, foundational learning programs for beneficiaries to help them prepare for responsible stewardship of wealth. Welcome to the Tamarind Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirby Rossbach, and today we're talking impact investing. I'm thrilled to have a luminary with us. Her name is Jenna Arnold. She is the Chief Impact Officer for Rethink Capital Partners, which is a diversified investment platform with sector-specific vehicles focused on both financial social returns for our investors. So Jenna is not only a CIO, but she's also one of Oprah's 100 awakened leaders who are using their voices and talents to elevate humanity. Some think of her as a disruptor, others a change agent, Whatever you think of Jenna, she is not staying quiet. She's written her book on called Raising Our Hands. It was released last summer as one of the bestsellers. Uh, so she has a lot to say. She's been in all kinds of places from the UN to the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Fast Company, Washington Post. I could go on and on. Jenna, so can you just help us get a grip on impact investing? Because everyone talks about it. I don't think anyone really knows exactly what it is, um, but clearly you do because it's your full-time occupation. So what is it or how do your views differ from what the mainstream definition is? Kirby, one, thank you so much for having me. And I am so grateful to you for raising the bar and the community in general around um, best practices in space and how we can mobilize ourselves and our resources to make real change. So thank you for creating the space and the conversation. Um, what is impact investing? I, I would say what is making an impact in the world? How does one figure out purpose, Make sure, making sure that they're leaving the state of existence a little bit better than the way that they found it. And like, what an incredibly impossible esoteric question that's surely hard to measure with one's life. And then we have now as humans found a way to funnel it into, you know, a capitalistic state to try to measure it in some way. And, you know, one of the things that somebody said, well, what does a chief impact officer do? And I said, well, of course, we try to see if we can measure the our, our investment by way of social good, by way of increasing justice and equity. But what I really do is spend a lot of time calling BS on opportunities and BS on um, companies or missions. Um, you know, again, I think it's part of the human condition to want to do well. Um, and do good at the same time but when you're living in a in the confines of a venture capital vehicle um it's it's hard to really identify where the boundaries and where the lane actually exists so at rethink we're really focused on looking for partners both in the gp and lp state and and surely entrepreneurs that 
are really trying to disrupt, and I'm exhausted from using that word, but I just haven't come up with a new one, um, but partners that are interested in transforming and disrupting systems that have allowed inequity to stay stagnant. And we, month by month, year by year, and having been in this space for a number of decades at this point, have continued to raise the bar on ourselves that it's you know at one point it was how can you build out wonderful corporate social responsibility models how can you build foundations that do um great good oh let's now look at the one for one model like a warby parker or a tom shoes oh wait a second do is one for one actually causing greater problems um than it is in helping now how do we take um the resources that we want to put into the market and really see how we can turn systems while continuing to keep everybody's footing stabilized. So it's not just investing in, you know, small communities in Namibia um, that are producing a, spe a spectacular piece of art. And that's really important that there's individuals and resources that are doing that but for us it's really like how can we crack open a system that needs a facelift that needs an update that um you know is beneficial for all parties involved so it's it's asking a lot of really hard questions of ourselves of the data um of of a mission um and you know one of the things that I find that's so a little bit exhausting, um, both in my role as a CIO, but just as a human is this idea of like, wow, what we thought six months ago was a good thing actually might need to be adjusted a little bit. So being a chief impact officer means that we just have to be really flexible and very fluid with what it is that we're learning and what it is that we're hearing because it's constant the de data is constantly changing and is more and more urgent voices that in some cases have been intentionally silenced for so many generations um, are coming to the surface. We have to move ourselves accordingly. Okay, so step back for a minute and just explain to our listeners, to me, what is really the difference in your day-to-day -day as a chief impact officer that, than a traditional chief investment officer? I mean, what are you thinking and doing differently how are you approaching the data set that's out there for opportunities? And what does that look like? Can you just give us a snippet, like jump into Jenna's world for a day? What does that sound like? Sure, so the due diligence related to impact is um, exciting. It can also be frustrating because data sets aren't, they're new and there's a little bit of lag behind actually how one can measure impact. So of course there's the traditional due diligence related to business models, but there's also, you know, looking at uh, a product or a company that's fo focused on education or that's focused on climate or that's focused on waste um, and trying to figure out both pull from old data sets, um, really zero in on what hypothesis might be, which means that there's, conversations um, and research focused in science or focused on philosophers or focused on not just the economics and 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 the markets and the potential profit shares but something you know in some cases that are much more esoteric because we have entrepreneurs that are really shooting the moon like really shooting the moon with some of their ideas and and again like i said the data there's just a little bit of a lag on it so in some cases it's very much building the plane while flying it 
every that's the state of every entrepreneur um, around the world. And I would argue these days, like it's so clearly the state of everything, including governments and institutions. Um, but it's but it's diving deep and like what we know, being really clear about what it is that we don't know, and then having being laser focused on the kinds of questions that we have to continue to ask and not knowing the questions that we need to continue to ask is actually something that is like a bit romantic about the whole process. So Jenna, tell us what you're most excited about in this investment landscape. I mean, we've had so much change happening from 2020 to 2021. Um, and what are some of the investment themes or things that you're looking at as great opportunity areas in that whole impact space? Well, I mean, I don't know about you, but my 2020 was really snoozy. Um, just collectively, I'm feeling like there was a, a real moment of relaxation. Um, I say that all very sarcastically, but I, um, I, you know, one of the things that's happened, I think, in 2020, as it obviously relates to humanity across the board, we all um, were forced to engage in arguably the most shared human experience in history, this pandemic. And very specifically for those who resided in the United States, we also sat in the front row of watching an overdue reckoning. Um, for some folks, it was very, very confusing. For others, be it companies, individuals, institutions who are desperate to sort of mark themselves on a specific line in history about what they do or don't stand for. Um, you know, I've seen so many different brands raise their hand and say, oh, we stand for this and we're going to commit X amount of dollars to diversity, equity, and inclusion, education, or whatever it might be. And, um, you know this opportunity to really say well actually let's let's sort of re let's take another look at the cap table let's take another look at some of the employee handbooks let's take another look at governance um and and i think what's happened is that so many people very quickly said wow we have to invest in entrepreneurs representing marginalized communities or wow we have to like invest in social justice um causes and there's this like quick scramble to quickly put things on the scoreboard in an attempt to demonstrate that a corporation and then ultimately the individuals that exist under its umbrella don't stand or do stand for certain things and while it's exciting that suddenly, you know, a magnifying glass is hovering over the most horrific rerun in this, you know, nation's history, the the torture of marginalized communities, um, I still had this moment of like, yes, this is a rerun. And yes, there have been so many extraordinary entrepreneurs who have not had access to capital but instead of just quickly trying to figure out where you can quickly allocate a dollar, build a fund, um, it's really important to take a step back and really question 
the best way that you can exist in this space because sometimes the our best currency is not our green dollar sometimes our best currency is our relationships or opportunities or piece of advice or wisdom and so my both my excitement and my fear is that everyone's like we're going to invest in impact um we're going to invest in impact and there's going to be focus on race gender and class and that's it. Look at us. Like we're doing it. We're good. And while I welcome curiosity, ambition, and intention, and surely dollars into this space, I hope it doesn't, I hope it goes deeper than that. And um, I hope people step into the really hard work of being authentic and trying to understand how they both have perpetuated a potentially harmful system and um, start looking a little bit more closely at how they can contribute to undoing it, making it better, creating more space for others. And so I don't want to see lots of money come into the space and impact wash it the same way um, we all witnessed with the greenwashing, which still is very much happening, um, you know, over the past decade plus, this idea of like, oh, we're just giving our dollars to these kinds of entities, um, entrepreneurs, opportunities, just so we can say we did. And yeah, so, so that's I, impact washing. Yes. And greenwashing, for those who aren't familiar, is a product is has a positive or a neutral impact on climate on the planet, just so that um, people feel like it's consumption or the waste related to it um, isn't isn't harmful to the environment, even though. Um, you know, there really isn't, there aren't necessarily organizations or trade organizations that can give that authentic, you know, stamp of approval. It would be the same thing as saying like, you know, every company's had their organic or green or non-toxic um, pivots in the past couple of years. And some of them are like really deep and have totally disrupted their product and others have just like removed a single ingredient and called, and called it more environmentally friendly. So what do you think the attraction and draw is for a lot of families who have rising generation, you know, um, adult children growing up? What's the allure? Um, what's the, the sort of passion play that impact provides? And why do you think sometimes families of later generations aren't as open or as inspired by impact investing? Can you maybe talk to us about sort of impact investor psyche? Yeah, um, it, it's it's uncomfortable for me to to suggest that there are generational divides, but I believe there are generational divides, and it's it's this what I like to call this sacred end where you can have well-intended people who didn't who weren't necessarily aware of their capacity to make you know to do to do good in the world until i don't know their six-year-old came home and told them that they needed to recycle one of my favorite anecdote in trying to answer this question is that um when recycling movements and bike helmets and seat belts um became um when when the government in particular was trying to make them more mainstream they chose to educate third graders um, from a bottom up 
strategy with the belief that third graders, if you sort of really drilled into the head of third graders, recycle, uh, uh, buckle your seat, wear your um, bike helmet, that they would go home and there would be a trickle up effect. And then obviously as those third graders aged, it would become norm for for those generations and then obviously trickle down to, to them as well. And that's exactly what happened, right? You know, like older generations were taught by their third graders that recycling was a requirement, a moral ethical requirement. And so I think you see a little bit of that in the how to differentiate or how to diversify a portfolio as it applies to to making sure that your resources are contributing to positive impact in the world. So I, I, I don't, there's again, the sacred end of like holding former generations accountable for not um, thinking differently about how they were acting in the investment space, but also recognizing that um, when we, we weren't talking about being green many decades ago in the same way that we are today. Um, and so I think there's been a little bit of like younger generations, at least I've experienced um, with my friends and, and family who are a part of high net wealth communities where they very much had to go to their family foundations, to board meetings and say, no, we have to invest in solar panels or renewable energy or clean energy. And having had former generations be like, what are you talking about? And yeah. I think that's a very fair and very realistic reality of our time. And while it's easy to get frustrated and sort of throw your hands up, like, how do you not see what's so clearly in front of us? Um, you know, I, it, it sadly, as it always falls on younger generations, it's our responsibility to, you know, grab some hands and be like, hey, this is our new perspective and we need to think differently and I'm going to hold myself accountable and uh, you too. No, I was just going to add this little device, right? Our phones, the mobile makes us global, right? I mean, the fact that like we don't have to be in Borneo and see rainforest getting cut down or we don't have to be in California to see raging fires. So I do also, I completely agree with you that it's a social awareness and I don't think there's any like slight to, you know, one generation to another. It's just a completely different reality. Like we have too much information. There's so much to see and experience. And really there's a heightened sensitivity, right? And we also have a generation of FOMO, like fear of missing out. So oh my God, totally, totally. I, I didn't click the like on whatever. Um, so tell us, I'm pivoting here a little bit, but I'm gonna put out a statement. I wanna know true or false, what you think is its validity, that impact investors have to concede returns when they invest in the impact investment world. Is that true, false? It's like false capitalized letter, underline, italicized, bolded with like 10,000 exclamations at the end of it. So that means, no, you don't have to concede returns. So you you and, and this is where like speaking of feeling sympathetic for younger generations who are like, no, come here, come here. We can talk about, we can, you know, 
um, make, you know, do well and do good. Um, I, I do think that there's a little bit of, actually, I'm going to list this. There's, you know, it, for so long, it was like the double, what's the double bottom line? And then um, I was just <laughs> working some with some other colleagues in the space and they were like, there's a quadruple bottom line, purpose, profit, planet, people. I'm like, oh my gosh, just find another P. But this idea of like, how do you, you, you can do well and do good, period, full stop. And listen, all investments have risk and reward trade-offs period and if you look at venture capital results you know our performance and i'm obviously be, be, being very careful here because my um favorite compliance person will um be disappointed in me or that's a kind way of um saying what you'd really have with me but you know our performance is not distinguished from any other vc fund in general i mean our multiples are consistent with the industry and when people say oh you can find companies that have a positive impact and have the margins that might be appealing to to investors my response is well then you're just not doing your job if you want it you can find it it's the same thing when companies say oh we can't we just can't there we can't find talent that represent diverse communities oh no you can if you actually wanted it um you know that this idea that you can't have a return and an impact um, is is I believe, and this is me being harsh, but I'll stand by this is just a cop out from doing the actual work. I you know again, there's some there's you know the risk reward of any investment um, has its trade-offs. Um, but, but if you're suggesting, particularly in this moment on this page in our history, saying that you can't find opportunities to invest in that, you know, that both help the planet people purpose and profit, um, of, of the world in general, then, uh, it's because you probably just want to go back to your Netflix series, um, which at times I don't blame you. Um, but, but it is, it's just, it's just a cop out for not wanting to do the real homework. So if you had one or two takeaways to leave for our Terman learning podcast listeners, um, around the impact investment space, what, what's on your mind? What do you think is top of mind for them to know? I think a couple of things. One, don't be so rigid on yourself when it comes to how to define impact because it is a little bit of a moving target that's not an excuse to go sit back in the corner and just do what you've always been doing it just means like you have to lean in and, and pay attention consistently and there might be a day a week or a month where you miss you know a news headline and it takes you a little bit of time to catch up but like welcome to the world of paying attention to the state of the world and so to me i'm a little bit like continue to lean in and pay attention Things are gonna going to iterate, and that's great because there's a lot that we don't know, and there's a lot of brilliant people on the front lines of so much of this work. Just wait for them to like figure it out, catch up, and we might not do something right today, but the learnings from today means that in six months from here, six years, or 60 years from now, we're gonna be better positioned to do something even better. So my one takeaway, one of them is like, get on board for the long haul. This isn't going to be a turnkey like there's a right or wrong. It's all going to be, it's all going to exist in the gray. The second thing is I, I'm calling BS on anyone who says they can do well and do good. Not anymore. 
not like maybe I would have given you a little bit of a pass seven and a half years ago on like a very tiny thing. But like today, there's opportunity in every single sector right now to um, make a positive difference and, um, you know, have the kind of margins and, and return that you're looking for. Um, and the third one is, is just this, again, a little bit of a moving needle is this off level of authenticity. Like, I hope I bless all of your listeners with the ghost of am I being authentic in my impact investing moral ghost person of like every time you do step into investing with impact that you question like, am I being performative here? Is this so that I can like dodge the, um, dodge the eye of the third party that's probably not even looking that closely, but it's really yourself that you're questioning. Like our life's work is to be more authentic with ourselves. And that has to be reflected in our professional spaces too. So as you engage in impact work, like constantly take your internal temperature on this. Mm. Um, and please have like a please have more humility for yourself as you're learning though you know i i mentioned earlier in this conversation that we've been witnessing a rerun a rerun for in american history and now suddenly everyone's like we have to talk about social justice issues again and who knew we had to do this again well like many tens of hundreds of millions of people were billions of people worldwide knew that we did and so i think this idea of like the information's out there and there's a lot of people who want to and who are willing to learn and move through a lot of this hard stuff um, together. But just like, please come, get on the wagon, put your seatbelt on, your bike helmet too, and just like be with us. Be with us as we try to figure out the messy landscape of rebuilding, undoing, dismantling, redesigning, designing from scratch. Um, opportunities that that hopefully will ensure the existence of our species in a hundred years from now and I'm not being dramatic and saying that yeah it is pretty grave I mean there's there's a call to action that's undeniable and um, and we all need to think what our role in participating in it on some level is and so I just wanted to um, quickly share a little bit um, from your impact um, website here, your Rethink part, Capital Partners website. So this is uh, where Jenna works. This is not an endorsement or an advertisement, but to learn more about sort of the funds and the approaches that Rethink has, um, we've got four veins, Rethink Education, Rethink Impact, Rethink Community, Rethink Food. Um, so I think this will also help put more context to what Jenna shared today. And I just, you know, to recap, her few takeaways, fluidity, we're in motion. So have a little bit of um, t staying power and tenacity and focus on the long-term, but know that your living the impact experience is gonna make it better. Um, have your BS meter on, so ch mm -hmm. do a gut check and make sure that if you don't think that something's legit, it's greenwashing, it's impact washing, that you stand up, you say something, and you get the facts, right? We have to be empowered with good information that we can do well and do good. So it, this is the that statement earlier has no water and we have to be creative and inventive 
and then operate from your authentic self when you approach this space. Know that if you're surface trying to appear or appeal, um, you're not going to have the same power and people will not um, see you as a good LP or GP. So I am so thankful to you, Jenna. Thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom here on the Tamron Learning Podcast and Kirby Rosbluck, your host, and we are signing off.